Welcome to another edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. We are your hosts, Jessica Sang. And I am Chris Eaton. Ah, Jessica, how are you? I am good. I am exhausted to in preparing for San Diego Comic Con this week. Yes, the, oh, the granddaddy of them all is upon us, like a looming shadow of like a giant mothership in the distance. Kind of like I, I like ID4 style, just coming over. It's just like it's just, there's no escaping it. It is. It's the monsters that slay all monsters in terms of conventions. <laughs> it's a god killer of sorts. Just, you know, it's like, the, what can slay Odin? This can slay Odin. <laughs> it's, that's almost, I feel that that was a metal uh, album cover I saw somewhere. I don't quite know, though. But anyway, yes, uh, we are, as we record this, we're two days away from Comic-Con. It's Monday now, so yeah, two days away from Comic-Con. And uh, we, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that this episode. There's a couple of other minor things. Um, uh, hopefully, as we're talking about this, everyone that's listened had fun at G-Fest. I heard wonderful stories coming out of there. Um, I heard the Ikafube concert was phenomenal. I saw videos that people were posting. So, again, Jessica and I are super jelly because we don't, we don't get to go. So, to all you who went, you know, it, it, we envy you. But on that note, uh, Jessica, Yamakon, yeah. let's do this first. <clears throat> so we know a couple things coming into Comic-Con. Uh, first yep. things first, uh, local Godzilla, I don't say uh, like international Godzilla expert, because he's, he's a man of, uh, like he's a man of the, uh, the people and a man of the world. Uh, August Ragoni is hosting a 60th anniversary Godzilla panel at Comic-Con. Open, it's literally one of the first things that's going on at the show. Like, it's Thursday morning at 11 a.m. So, uh, literally, Godzilla's kicking off Comic-Con. It is the 60th anniversary, um, which is kind of um, almost uh, apropos because it was in 94 for Godzilla's 40th anniversary. It was my very first Comic-Con. I still got that booklet, the program that they give you. With all the Godzilla right, stuff in right. it. Right, So, this is, uh, this, this, oh god, it's been 20 years since I've been going to this thing. Wow. Where has the time gone? What have I done with my life? Anyway. Go to Comic-Con. <laughs> That's and th- attend Taiju <laughs> event. Pretty much. I mean, okay. You know, life well spent. Can't yeah. argue with that. So, uh, that will be happening. Uh, it's going to be a panel with uh, uh, Ragon uh, and David E. Chapel and Arian. I'm probably going to butcher this because I normally do. Uh, Hino, uh, Hino Jose. H-I-N-O-J-O-S-A. Did I say that right? Yes, um, kind of close. He was a wonderful gentleman. I got to meet uh, him and his girlfriend, Alma, Um they were at the Godzilla Biolanti, and they cover for All Monsters Attack, oh, I okay. believe. And I, apo- and I apologize if I've gotten the name of the site wrong. I just Monst- so Monster Attack tired. Team. Monster Attack Team. Yeah, once again, A Monster we're- Attack Team. I am so sorry. I am, I'm running on like three hours of sleep at the moment. And it's like so- 12.30 as we record this, because that's, that's how we roll. Yeah, so when you said Monday morning, mm-hmm. I was like, barely Monday. It's yeah. like 30 <laughs> minutes past Monday morning. But no, they will be there. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, she was telling me online, uh, you know, almost telling me about the uh, panel that they're having and mm-hmm. that she's very, very excited for it. Um, but I did not know because I haven't had a ch- chance to go through all of the programs and panels. I didn't know it was first thing Thursday morning. Yeah. I mean, the last Godzilla movie did absolutely great to last. So the one that just came mm-hmm. um, and could possibly still be in some $2 theaters, uh, that one is still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, legendary Gareth Edwards and Max Bornstein. So mm-hmm. 
we look forward to seeing, I look forward to seeing how well the panel turns out. Yeah. But also I'm interested because it's not a Friday morning, it's mm-hmm. not a Thursday afternoon, it's a Thursday morning mm-hmm. panel, according to what you said, and not all people can take all days off of work. Yeah. So Or they don't all show up. Yeah, they're only... So, cu- but I, I want it to be a full house. I, I have no I have no doubt it's gonna be full house. I mean the WonderCon panel was uh was a packed house. Uh this is in one of the small rooms too. It's in uh it's in room uh twenty three ABC. So it's on the other end, the newer end of the uh the the convention center. So I would put it in the east side, I guess if you would put it. Like toward towards the towards the Hilton, like that end. So it's in one right. of those rooms. So I have a feeling, much like the WonderCon panel, this might be drastically um, underbooked in a room that might not contain the crowd that they'll be showing up for. Because it's, for the most part, the only Godzilla panel going on in, during the week. Um, IDW uh, is doing a... They're, they're breaking down their comics, and uh, I know Chris Mowry's on one of the panels... Uh, talking about the Godzilla books. I think, I believe, I don't have that one in front of me, but I believe that one's uh, Saturday afternoon. That's what I want to say, because I think the Hasbro one is Thursday afternoon, and then they have, like, another prop, like, like the miscellaneous properties, like the Ninja Turtles and stuff like that on Friday. So, oh, no, they have, like, the Crater, the, the, the Crater-owned uh, series, so, like, the Finding Nemo and stuff like that that's coming out. So, but if you are going to Comic-Con... This is a perfect way to start off your your day, especially the whole show, because the, this literally is you know one of the first panels and it is setting the tone for the show. So you know it's always a good thing to start off with some Godzilla. Right, right. It is, mm-hmm. it is. And you know, for those who can make it on Wednesday night, mm-hmm. three hours preview night, there are some panels or screenings. Use that time to look for your Godzilla and Kaiju and Pacific Rim toys. Yeah, because. That w- it's the least people on that day. Maybe uh, Sunday. Funny you mention that because Bandai, uh, Bandai of America, will be there like they normally are, uh, and they have announced a 60th anniversary exclusive for the show. Uh, uh, the quality of said item is up in question. Whether or not you want to spend sixty dollars on said item is another thing. Uh, they've announced they are having what they call their 60th anniversary like uh, city set. So what you do is you buy this box. It's got Godzilla's like 60th anniversary. It's a black box. It's got the symbol on the front, and then you open it up like an old school playset, like the old um, like uh, Polly Pocket or Mighty Maxes in a way, like the folds of the side, and like a cityscape comes out of it. And then there's the Godzilla figure sitting right in the middle. It's just they didn't really do much in in tone of the laziness of Bandai America. They, all they did was take. The Final Wars Godzilla seven-inch figure, the the ones you buy like in the stores, they hang on the on, they hang on the tags, and they gave him the uh, Burning Godzilla paint job. So he's got like the fire, like the glowing chest, the glowing knees, and like the glowing arms, and sixty bucks. Bam, there you go. And I looked at that, I'm like, that is just so lazy. But. <laughs> It's already going for like $110 online. People are getting it because it's, a, because it's an exclusive. And we're like, oh, we got to have it. It's like, I could go down to Toys R Us right now. I could buy one of these figures that are sitting on the pegs that no one's buying right now. And then take a airbrush and then put the red markings on it myself. And it's the same It's the same figure. So it's just it's just maddening sometimes. It, you know, They're pretty much right now the only company that's distributing... At least into the mainstream markets. Besides, uh, say, well, Neek is getting into it now. Finally, so hopefully that it'll get Bandai up on their game. But anything close to like the 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 imports that you know people like me would buy back in the day, like the soft vinyl figures. So, you know, they. Had, I love how you uh, use Polly Pocket. Well, that's as... about the best best way I could describe it because it's like a place that opens up. It's got this little. It has a city that, that folds out. That was the thing about Polly Pocket and the. The boy version, which was Mighty Max, which was a super awesome show. Did you ever watch that? I did. I did. Yep. I loved my Mighty Max is due for a comeback, in my opinion. Yes, like Rainbow Bright style, because she's coming back. Yeah, I heard about uh, that. For those who don't know, Rainbow back. I mean, Rainbow <laughs> Bright will be back. There's like some people listening, like Rainbow what? 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 The, what? 
God, it's not really talking about. It's like, yeah, go look it up. Damn kids. So yeah, so Bandai is doing that. The, th the issue is though, if you're uh, if you're a exclusive collector, which there's a whole subcategory of people who just go to Comic Con to get those delicious exclusives, uh, because of the pandemonium that was trying to get the Power Ranger stuff last year at the Bandai booth, they have ticketed ticketed their exclusives this year. So what you got to do is you got to go upstairs to the sales pavilion in the morning before the show opens, get in line. Pull out a ticket, and then hopefully in a you win in a raffle. Your number falls into a uh, in, into a bracket, and then you get a, a purchase voucher, so you may go and purchase whatever you want from Bandai booth. You got to do that for Hasbro and for Mattel as well. But because that uh, is a two-step complicated process, it is, and you're not guaranteed anything. Mm -hmm. So you, if you even get in line and they run out of tickets, that then you're super screwed. But if you get in line and you get a ticket, you're still not guaranteed anything because then they put up the the numbering. It's like, okay, if you got a ticket from this, you know, this to this, then you can come and and you know, you know, claim your, you know, you can you may you have the opportunity to go and buy something now. That's that, that's the point where the show's gotten, which just angers me because my my original plan was to get into that Bandai line because they have a, a little Art Deco Green Ranger figure. Because me being a boy of the 90s, I grew up idolizing the Green Ranger. So I wanted to get that. That's the only thing I wanted. I don't want the... They have a gold chrome-plated Dragon Dagger, which I have no interest in. <coughs> and then they have a Ranger key set. And pretty much any everything there that's not the Godzilla thing is Power Ranger related. So they had the, they have one cool thing in the Green Ranger figure that's like 20 bucks. And so now i got to go try to... Um, you know, uh, buy off a couple of people to like, hey, you know, if you're gotten in line, you know, I've this is how I gotten stuff in the past. Like, dude, what are you getting out of this? Like, this, this. It's like, if I give you twenty bucks, you know, could could you get this for me? Normally, people are cool about it, but you're also taking the risk. It's like, yeah, here's twenty bucks. Goes in line, comes out. Where's my figure? What figure? Well, I give you twenty bucks. What twenty bucks? And walks off, and you're shisted. So, yeah, that's Chris ranting about stuff. <laughs> No, it is pretty terrible, and it's always one of those where I try to talk myself into self-comfort, and mm -hmm. I'm thinking, all right, time is money. Mm -hmm. Money you can always make mm -hmm. or lose. Time, time much like death and taxes, <laughs> will never be avoided, no. and time will only ever go forward. Mm -hmm. That's why time travel is so fascinating of a subject, an yes. idea. Uh, however, I'm thinking, should I wait four and a half hours? For this exclusive figurine or toy, mm -hmm. or should I, that is like $35, or should I just spend my time, because mm -hmm. I am here in San Diego and I got a hotel or whatever, walk around, enjoy the sites, talk to people, do press work or whatever, and then just one, two months later, just pay 150 for it Honest, on eBay. Sometimes if you wait a little... Time, time is money. Yes, time is money. And honestly, if you wait a little bit longer, like around January, like a lot of the stuff will drop down because everybody that wanted them, like the frenzy is gone. So like some real high-end stuff will stay up there, but for the most part, everything else just kind of peters out. So you're still going to be paying a little more than what you would have at the show, but, you know, it's usually not too bad. So, but Yes, and if you can have patience after Christmas, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh... And, Again, funny thing, you mentioned, you know, walking around the outside, because for those who don't go to Comic-Con or have never been to Comic-Con, and I know there's a lot of people out there, but like, I've never gone. What is it like? It's it's a madhouse. That's that's an understatement, too. Would you agree, Jessica? Yes, it is. That is a, that is a madhouse in itself. Mm -hmm. I mean, cause the entire, for those who never been there, um, to put, so the convention center is in an area of San Diego called the Gas Lamp District. Mm -hmm. But it, it, what's so amazing about San Diego, the city of San Diego, is that they embrace Comic-Con like the entire city transforms. Oh, yes. And it becomes a culture. I love San Diego, and I've been down there when it's not Comic-Con season. It's mm -hmm. still beautiful, and you guys have the freaking cleanest streets. Mm -hmm. But I do want to say it's somewhat sad to not see geek stuff everywhere. Yeah. So... So what happens is all the off-sites, like some of the restaurants will have kind of geek-themed food or mm -hmm. titles or special menus, you know, like the Godzilla menu or like, you know, the Avengers breakfast pack. 
so they have these things, and then the city just kind of transforms and kind of molds into this wonderful culture of San Diego Comic Con. And because of that, people also know that if you can't get a badge mm -hmm. or you need to get out of the convention and just breathe a little bit, there are off-site events. Or there are, like, One Year Mac, which is a makeup store for those who do not know or have daughters that will future become beautiful women in the future. Mm -hmm. Mac has entire Archie set uh, of, um, yes, the currently deceased Archie, but uh, Archie, like Betty and Veronica makeup set. Mm -hmm. But it was debuted and kind of, kind of either debuted or you were given kind of a first look. It was during Comic-Con. Mm -hmm. So girls who were into that, you know, into Archie comics, I have a cousin who's into Archie comics, and she would have been one of those people. I couldn't even make it there because the line was so long. Yeah. And there were so many people that were there. And, you know, they'll have art galleries downtown. The bookstore will transform. Everything kind of transforms into a popular culture theme and event. Yeah. And they have all kinds of really cool stuff. So for those, if you still want to make a trek down there like a day trip, I think off-site stuff is pretty cool. And a lot of off-site places allow you to come in without the badge. I mean, some a lot of times they won't give you any of the giveaway stuff, but they'll let you like come in and look around. <clears throat> yeah, that's the thing. That's what they. Uh, that that's one of the. Having gone for so many years, like the last twenty years, that's one of the things in the last like eight years that it just has amazed me to no end is the fact that. Uh, once they ran out of room inside of this place, which is like the size of Disneyland as already, they moved to the streets, and it's just everything is starting to like it's it's like a kind of like the the thing it's spreading, it's just integrating itself into everything around the the greater like downtown area of San Diego. So, um, which is now to a point where people bank on like uh, renting out like their extra spaces to you know uh, companies to promote stuff. So, I mean, uh, a the stop for me every morning, my my ritual is to, when we get up, we come into the San Diego area, we get breakfast at Broken Yolk. One of the most delicious breakfast places ever. I love their French toast. So, and that's usually taken over, like, by Hasbro or someone every year. Like, the Hub took it over, I think, like, two years ago. And I stole, like, a million Hub freaking uh, um, menus because I was going through a weird My Little Pony phase. Don't judge. We all have our weird things. But uh, <laughs> um, but no, uh, to the side, as you know, to digress to what we were talking about, uh, there's a little grass area in the back of the convention center, and now for the last couple of years, Warner Brothers has been taking over that spot because they used to have the super mega booth in the inside for everything, and now they had to scale that back. So they said, well, we could take over this area. So every year, like last year, they had the entire like Batmobile lineup. So every Batmobile that was ever been featured on screen was out there. They have yeah, little... that was either that was like last year or the year before. I think that was one year they had. I think they had Teen Titans. That was last year too. So they were both they were both there. I, I'm you know what? actually no I think you're right it might have been the year before when Batman came out. God everything just blurs together. So this year, seen as the uh, the they've had the Warner Brothers has had a pretty good year in releases so far and one of those said releases has been a little film called Godzilla which we've talked about mm, a couple of times here on this podcast so they have a much like last year where they had the Godzilla experience which was down the street and an abandoned warehouse which turned into an awesome almost theme park like experience did you get to go on them Jessica yes I did oh wasn't it cool it was very, very cool, and I think that was something that they wish that they could have duplicated this year. Yeah, uh, as far as I know, no one's um, getting that intricate this year. From uh, I've been talking to um, a couple of people, uh, um, uh, Sean Marshall, who uh, runs the Confluence Twitter. Uh, he's been like my go-to guy, with, along with the SDCC blog people. Like I've known like more about this convention going than I have in any other year, thanks to the thanks to these people. And they, I was asking, like, hey, is there anything like super elaborate like the uh, Godzilla experience? Like, nah, it doesn't look like they're nobody's doing anything um, that big this year. But he did tell me, and I found out through him before I found out through any press release that Warner Brothers is going to have like a big Godzilla thing next to the convention center. So when you come out, yes, yep, they're going to have like a big Godzilla statue. 
and they have something else. He said they're going to have something else, like some ex- like small experience thing uh, out there as well, and they're like little Warner Brothers grassy knoll lot kind of thing going on. And there's going to be a zip line too. Yes, be... um, there is a Gotham zip line. Mm-hmm. Um, I and of course, you know, there's also a Petco Park for those who don't know, and it's kind of like a stadium concert thing. That's where the Padres and they have play. like a Goth- yeah, they have like a Gotham zip line there. They, I mean, they have um, I'm sorry, Borderland uh, laser tag, mm-hmm. being laser tag, but you know, something like that, like the Godzilla. It's 24 feet tall, mm. I believe, is what I saw online. Mm-hmm. I will be taking lots of pictures of that. I will, like, hug his legs and hold on for dear <laughs> life, if I'm allowed that close. Um, and, yeah, there'll be a zip line. There's several things. They have a Gotham zip line, mm-hmm. and they're using Uber to do, like, a Gotham kind of taxi cab or cop car-themed ride, mm-hmm. which I think might be kind of confused with actual cop cars, but... Anyways, you know, this may be, we'll see how the idea turns out. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they, like we had said earlier, all of San Diego, at least the gas and district, kind of turns into Comic-Con and kind of spreads outwards. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, that's definitely one of them. I look forward, I was very surprised that they're going to have a a tall Godzilla statue, at least that big. Yeah, well, at least they're, they're going all out. Because the rumor, there's a rumor going around, because uh, Warner Brothers is going to have their panel. Because last year, I believe, them and Legendary combined their panel. So they had like some super like two and a half hour panel last year. Yeah, they did. They had one super panel. Yes. Yeah. This year, because Legendary has broken away from Warner Brothers, they're now over at Universal. They have their own panel, which ironically is right after the Warner Brothers panel. Uh, that's like the one like Hall H like mega panel I'm going to attempt to get into. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get into it because the one of the rumors that's going around is that um, they might premiere some footage for Jurassic Park 4 at that panel. Also, uh, Guillermo del Toro's all but set to show up there to promote his new film at Legendary, uh, the uh, Crimson Crimson Peak. So his haunted house movie that he's doing. And, uh, yeah, he's also doing Book of Life or something. Yes. For another, yeah. That The animated movie it, that he's producing. Yeah. And then, uh, oh, Sunday morning he's got The Strain, too. So he's yeah. he's going to be there for that if uh, if you, you can get into that. That, that one I don't think should be too hard. That just started, so I've heard good things, but I haven't, I haven't watched it yet. Um, but the other, the other rumors going around is that they're going to drop some news for Godzilla 2, so... Because uh, Ed- Gareth Edwards' Star Wars film comes out in 2016, so that's not too far away. So they would honestly, you know, as soon as he's done with that, start getting something. They might have something, you know, already lined up. Because they announced Godzilla One was it almost three years ago? It was when they were promoting mm-hmm. Pacific Rim. So it, uh, yeah, oh, 12. So 12, 13, uh, two, two and a half. Well, it'll be three years this year. Which I still. That's one of my most bitter Comic Con moments because I waited eight. <laughs> I remember. I waited I remember eight. Remember you telling me eight and a half hours. I waited in that line because that's the one thing, the one big panel I wanted to see. <clears throat> I had gotten into the Sony panel the day before because apparently everybody left and nobody wanted to watch any any of the stuff, and I got I got looped into like, ooh, oh man, uh, Elysium looks like it's going to be awesome, and then turns out it's not so awesome. But uh, I was like, uh, okay, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to get down here like at 4.30. I'm going to get in line, and I'm going to get into that Warner Brothers panel because it was at like at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So I'm just like, all right, let's do this. So I got up at like 4.30, and I had uh, George drop me off at like 5 o'clock so he can go back and sleep and then come back. And I got in line, and the line was already down around the marina looping I'm just like uh okay well I'm like okay so there's this panel and this panel and my clear out okay okay so eight hours I'm sitting like moving slowly sitting on lawns just moving around very slowly and I'm like it's like 130 and there's like a hundred people ahead of me to get in and like at the panels at like 215 and at like 210 they're like yeah, if you're, like, right here, and he's pointing at the guy at the very end of the line, he's like, you're not getting into the pan- next panel. It's like, the panel after that you might get into, but not. Because, turns out, um, 
the Hobbit was also part of said panel. So everyone was there. It's like, oh, are we going to see the Hobbit? Eh? And I was like, I'm here for Pacific Rim. They're like, what in God's name is that? I'm like, it's a Guillermo del Toro movie. It's big robots fighting big monsters. They're like, yeah, Hobbit. That's what I'm here for. So, <clears throat> lo and behold, Chris does not get in. Spends eight hours waiting in line, doing nothing. So, like a jackass, I'm just, I leave, and I'm just, like, steaming. Like, you could see, like, if you splashed water on me, like, it would just melt and evaporate. So, I go upstairs, because after I, I tried to walk through the floor to kind of calm my nerves and find something, couldn't do anything. So, I'm like, screw it, I'm just going to go right. I, they, Marvel had put out the Iron Man armor for the next movie. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go right about this. So as I'm sitting upstairs, like in the hallways, I'm typing away, and I follow Drew McWeeny on uh, from HitFix, and he's tweeting from Hall H, and they're like the Pacific. He's tweeting the Pacific Rim panel because that was the first thing that they show. I'm just like, Damn it! So he's like, oh, just big, it looks awesome. The robots are all humanoid, blah blah, doing this and awesome, blah blah. And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, just keep rubbing in. So I'm right, and it's like Iron Man looks like diet. Looks like the vanilla look. His, he's coated like vanilla coke, blah, blah, blah. And then my Twitter buzzes again. And I pull it open, and all I read is, they're going to show the Godzilla teaser again. And at that moment, I just have, like, a like inside my mind, like, just an atomic blast goes off, and you can see flames shooting out. And for the rest of my day, is just completely ruined from that point. Like, there's nothing that is going, like, literally, like, like, someone could just drop, like, a million dollars in front of me, just laced with, like, you know, like, candy, and it's not going to do anything. Like, this, I'm just like, take, get this out of my face. I was, there, my, <laughs> it was 8.30 at night, and I'm sitting, waiting for my buddies, and I'm sitting in the hallways, we're going to go watch the masquerade in the pavilion, and I'm sitting there, I'm just, like, still, like, steaming the fact that I missed that trailer because that I was just because they didn't announce it they didn't announce it was coming and then it was like this huge hurrah and people I just hear people in the hallway talk oh my god that Godzilla trailer was awesome did you see it and it's just rubbing salt into this wound that just won't close and my buddy took he like I'm just sitting there I'm just like he's like what's wrong with you I'm I got a poster tube in my hand I'm smacking it like I'm like some southern cop like in the 40s it's like so what's going on here boy and I'm just going, I am like, I missed. I was, like, 50 feet away from getting into that panel. I'm smacking this this poster tube against my hand. Like, I'm about ready to go beat someone like I'm in the Warriors. And he takes a, he takes a video of it, like, unbeknownst to me, because I'm just so zoned out. And so the next morning, I get up, and he's just standing over me. I'm like, yeah? He's like, did you, did, do you have any idea, like, how you looked last time? Like, why? He's like, you looked like a serial killer just... You, like someone had just pulled the final string and you were just about ready to go off on the first person that just stepped on your foot. I'm like, why? So he plays back the footage and literally like I'm just like stewing in like some sort of like hatred, like a, a kind of like how He-Man feels about Skeletor. And I'm just like droning on. I'm just like, miss, miss the damn Godzilla panel. Miss the Pacific Rim. That's all I wanted to see. That's all I wanted to do. The only thing that made up for it was the fact that I got to meet Gareth Edwards that next day, because I went over to the Legendary booth, they gave out a Pacific Rim poster, and like, hey, do you want to meet the director of Godzilla? I'm like, yes, so they gave me a little card, and so the next day, at least I got to meet him and get a picture with him, and I believe it was Max Bornstein, too. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure it was him. So, but other than that, yeah, that's Chris's angry Godzilla story for Comic-Con. You know, I was actually going to say that, why were you torturing yourself by not turning off your Twitter buzz notification because I'm <laughs> because I'm a stickler and I'm like it's pretty much that's 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 my way of cutting myself just mentally like I'm just taking a razor blade to my to my to my brain I'm just like no no just bring just keep keep bringing the hurt that's all you gotta do because to me had I been in there that would have been like the like crowning point of like every comic-con moment wrapped into one it would have been my my two favorite things in life coming together in one harmonious moment and I missed it and I was it wasn't the fact that I was like way in the back of the line had I been super back in the line I would have been like uh, well what are you going to do but the fact that I was so close I was a hundred I counted I was a hundred people away which isn't a lot for a room that seats six thousand people and just I was literally like at the finish line and then they cut it off 
That's how close I was to seeing that. And you know, two years later, now that we've seen all of it, yeah, it's 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 another thing. But the fact that I missed that moment—that's what—that's what caused me just to stew all day and just just go around like I just wanted to like hit something so bad. Like there was nothing that could make me happy that day, even though I was in probably what is my like my pretty much my happy karma place where anything is like it's like I'm like in Wonderland everything just goes away nothing there could make me happy I was going to say what Comic Con needs is like little stress rooms with like punching bags or little things that you can do Mm -hmm. to just for people to take it out because it's San Diego Comic Con is an amazing wonderful geek mecca place Mm -hmm. it's also a place where you wish the nicest person will want to punch children for no reason mm-hmm. and like choke a puppy. Yeah. Which they shouldn't be. Yeah. But it's because you're so, so like, those who truly passionate care about. Yeah. About a certain thing. I'm not saying like a person steps on your toes and you're mm-hmm. just upset or, no. you know, like, you get very upset. Also, you spend all this money and all this time, mm-hmm. you know, eight hours or you're a couple thousand dollar hotel or you had a fly in from like New York. You have certain expectations. Yeah. But I do want to say, but Pac-Man 2 is coming, mm-hmm. and Godzilla 2 most likely will be coming. Little Chris Eaton will be able to make it into Hall H this time. I'm going to attempt. I'm hoping that the fact that this is the last year for uh, The Hobbit, that once the Warner Brothers panel ends, because everyone's going to be there for the um, DC stuff. That's what everyone's going to be in that panel for. Nobody's there for Mad Max. People are there for Hobbit, yes, but nobody's going to be there for the other stuff. And they want to see the big Superman-Batman announcement. They're there because that's what... Everyone's expecting that. That's what they're going to say. And if nothing happens, oh, man, there's just going to be so much hate coming out of out of that room onto Twitter on Saturday. So about 12.45, check your Twitter, and if there's a ton of bitter people, you know that Warner Brothers didn't show anything Batman or Superman-related. Yeah, people are already pretty bitter about Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's quite close to August 1st. Mm-hmm. So, a- you know, they did not, you know, I mean, what more can you show of Guardians of the Galaxy? True. But I understand from Marvel's point of view mm-hmm. and from the fans' point of view. Mm-hmm. So, which, uh, on a side note, you mentioned Godzilla's running the second uh, run theaters. I took my dad last night again to go see it. I'll say this, I haven't been in a second-run theater in a while, but I do love the fact that everything's going digital. Because one of the things I hated about going to second-run theaters was the fact that all the prints they used to get had just been manhandled. It looked like rats had gotten to them and just chewed them up. You'd sit in there and there'd be like huge like cuts through the through the print, you see them on the screen. I sat down to watch Godzilla with my dad. It looked like it was its very first screening. And I was just like, God bless digital projection. I know some people are stickers <laughs> for 35 millimeter, and that's fine and Danny, but there's, there is something to like, especially with modern films, just like, just shoot it in digital. You know, a lot of these films people are just going to come see once and move on, but for people like me that like want to go back and watch them again and again, even after they moved out of like the regular theaters, to see it on, an, in a in a second run house that I paid two bucks to get a ticket, to have it look exactly like it looked the opening night I saw it, is just phenomenal. What an age we live in. So, I also did notice something this time, too. I don't know if I brought it up in our review. Did I ever bring up the fact that I think that from what I noticed from from how this Godzilla is, this is like like the uh, Dark Knight Returns style Godzilla, where he's like old and just really just tired of doing it. I, I think I mentioned the tired thing, but like, like he literally looks like old man Godzilla. <laughs> He does give kind of an old, old world vibe. Yeah. Like, he's just, he's like, I've been here for how many years? Exactly. Just leave me alone. Yeah. Fine, I'll come out of retirement and deal with my jokers one last time. Yeah, it's like, if you and look, like, it's like the Toho Godzilla is like the Batman of like the, the, you know, the normal age Batman, you know, where he's like in his, he's at his prime. So like, you're Godzilla from like, you know, Godzilla versus Mothra, or or Mothra versus Godzilla, or your Godzilla from uh, Godzilla, the original Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, even to the to the Heisei ones. So it's just like, you know, you, you can almost track him along with like the the Batman line, where you know he starts, he obtains, you know he you know he fights people who become his allies, he gets his Joker, you know in King Ghidorah, and then uh, you know there's you know his 
his Catwoman is Mothra, where they're sometimes allies, sometimes villain or against each other. And then this Godzilla comes along, and like he's he's much bigger, like, but he's like he's fat, but he's got like muscle on him, and like you could just see on his face like years of battle scars and stuff. And it's just like this is literally like the Dark Knight Godzilla. Like he is just older, and just doesn't give a damn but you know he's he's got he has to dish out justice because that's all he eats also the way he holds his little arms he's like Mm -hmm. like almost like a sad well the arms of a sad ben affleck batman (laughs) where he's just kind of like don't and his arms are just kind of in this u shape yeah you know but you know i believe somewhere frank miller is looking at godzilla like "Mm, somehow i like his design Mm mm-hmm well, so yeah, he's got the Ben Affleck Batman arms. He does. Where he's just like, there is no. I don't know if you noticed this, but I I don't know. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. But I, there there is like some noticeable similarities to like Batman Begins with this movie, uh, especially the legendary one. Seems like yeah. there's a little bit of the formula that they followed for Batman Begins in Godzilla. Like like in Batman Begins, you don't see Batman a whole hell of a lot until towards the end. It's about setting him back up. It's about setting up the bad guys, like you know the Mutos. I wouldn't call him so much the Rachel Ghoul or right Rachel Ghouls of of the universe, but you know it's more focused on you know him and just setting up the world and you know giving you an idea of everything. And then you know hopefully part two builds to the bigger, grander scale, and we do get you know our Joker story with uh, Godzilla two, which I'm hoping some King Ghidorah. But then something tells me that they might not even use any Toho monsters. They might just come up with their own stuff. They might. They might. I mean, I think there's a... there. You know, a part of us always loves classics. Mm-hmm. You know, but a lot of us can... Some people cannot handle the change. Some people welcome it. But I think there needs to be a mix yeah. where you make new villains. Yeah, I mean, it's that, that was the thing with... Um, because uh, a poll just came out. Uh, I forgot who did it, but it was in Japan. Um... Because Godzilla's coming out this week in Japan, actually. Um, they held the premiere a couple we- about, I think, last Tuesday or Wednesday. So I think it opens right. this weekend. Um, oh, those poor, poor people had to wait so long. Yeah, like literally, it's like two months. It's like already insane. It's almost out of theaters here, but they're just now getting it. Um, like uh, they just got Edge of Tomorrow too. They got that before they got Godzilla, which was astounding to me. Um, Which is their original medium properties. Yes. So I feel like they should get it the same time whichever country it, makes the movie. Exactly. Like China got Godzilla before Japan got Godzilla. So, but I guess, you know, hey, China's box office means more than Japan. So, but, um, where was I going with this? Oh, yes. Uh, there was a poll that was, that came out. It's like, uh, what, you know, what do the Japanese fans think is the the best Godzilla movie? At least, I think in the modern age, the Heisei age, and the millenniums. But they pulled Godzilla vs. Biolani as, like, the favorite, which was weird to me, because that's... It, it, A, its initial release, it didn't do that well. And also, it scared Toho off of doing any, like, original monster for a long time. Like, they didn't go back to, like, an original monster until Space Godzilla after Biolanti, so... And then, then again, Space Godzilla really didn't... I don't think that that did that well either. So that's when they uh, came with the idea for a Destroyer, just to kill him off and, you know, be done with it. But, you know, it's it's saying something that, you know... Um, was Oh, yeah, New Monsters. Because uh, the Millennium movies, we had 2000, which had Orga, which was almost an afterthought in that film. And then Megaguirus, one of my favorite films, which... I think bombed completely. So then they moved back to the safe practice of re, you know bringing back the tried and true characters. So that's when we got uh, Mothra and King Ghidorah, and then we got against uh, uh, Mechagodzilla and Tokyo SOS, and then even to an extent, uh, Final Wars only had one new monster in it, and he kind of was an hologram of an already existing monster. So uh, you know, hopefully, it, it, maybe it is a good thing that um, Legendary doesn't really take any of the other established monsters. I know a lot of people want to see uh, an updated version of Mothra. I don't know how in the hell that would work in this universe. I don't know how I don't know how well that will go over the audience mm-hmm. because she, Mothra has a high uh, female fan base. Yeah. So 
I see Mothra as more of a, if you're going to do it modern, mm -hmm. almost with a slight horror aspect to it. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking like really dark colors, muted, scary as balls when it's flying in the air, mm -hmm. uh, possibly saliva dripping from its little mandibles. Yeah. You know, like, it's it's scary. You're yeah. just like, oh, it's not a cute, fuzzy moth <laughs> mm -hmm. slash butterfly for some people. It's like, holy crap, it is a biological UFO. Yeah. Run for it. And not only that... Um, like a monster, monster style. And not only that, how would you do the, the, the Shinobin, the, the two little priestesses? I mean, they, they laid out how you would explain some of the, the other mon bigger monsters showing up, but Mothra has, like, a whole mystic element to it that's, like, yeah, it works in the, the Toho universe, but, like, the legendary universe, I don't know how that would fly. Like, <laughs> part of my pun. Um, but, like, to have that whole aspect, they would have to go with, like, the, um, the all, all Monsters Attack version where Mothra didn't have any, like, like connection to to the two girls, it would just have to be like its own thing. Right, right. It would. They may have to rewrite it. I mean, unless the priestesses come in like, you know, shining style mm -hmm. or something like they're, that. They're just, I mean, they're just telekinetic twin, things. Yeah, twin girls are always cute mm -hmm. to a certain extent, and depending on the environment, or just girls in general. Mm -hmm. You know, like young girls in general. So. We're going to kind of have to see. I think it is possible to do an updated... I'm not saying everyone's going to like it and it's right mm. or correct, but I'm just saying it can be done where they take they make Mothra and it doesn't have girl, you know, yeah. girls in it or songs or singing mm. or anything like that. It's just going to be a straight, non-musical movie. Yeah. And so that might have to be what it is because we're seeing that now we're seeing adaptations whether they be our superheroes mm -hmm. or whether maybe something else they're cutting out things or adding in things that would make sense yeah i mean i would um like i like a mecha godzilla probably won't go over in um in the legendary universe but like a, you could do a rodan you could do a king Ghidorah, you could do a uh even i don't know gigan but you could do a megalon you could do an angulus um, you know, even King Caesar, you could do. Even Bylandi would would work well. But like, that's you're keeping stuff within like the realm of what they've set up. Like getting the more fantastical elements, like the mechs and stuff like that. Especially considering the fact that they do have Pacific Rim running side by side. I don't think that would uh, that would go over. I honestly am more in favor of just after really kind of like sitting on it. Like just come up with with um, with original like monsters to fight. And if you're ever if they are going to bring like, an updated version of any of the, the uh, Toho monsters, just do King Ghidorah and just kind of have... just let that be it. If you get what I'm saying. Yes. No, I totally know what you mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, for a little while, people, as we had talked about, thought Mutos mm -hmm. was Mothra. Yeah. Or Rodan, but mm -hmm. it was not. No. Uh, however, you know, it would be... You know, I can see why. And then when mm -hmm. they found out it's not a classic, and they found mm -hmm. out it was all new, there was this weird sense of, like, disappointment. Yeah. And then some of them turned around, and they really mm -hmm. liked it, and they thought mm -hmm. it was cool. It takes... we, As humans, we always say, change is always good. Yeah. But then in reality, most people are like, no, screw change. Change <laughs> sucks. We like things mm -hmm. the way it is. We, we want to... Some people are like, we want to see Joker in every movie. However, mm -hmm. some are just like... Where is, you know, or Lex Luthor, but some mm -hmm. people are like, where's our Brainiac? Mm -hmm. You know, where's our Metallo? Where is our, you know, this and that? So I think I think we really split 50-50. Not 50-50, yeah. but two extremes of it. No one in the middle is just like, meh, yeah. you know. There's, so, there's, I mean, there's, there's, those, there's, those who watch the films or those yeah. who care. There's no compromise anymore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like if you suddenly showed up with Joker and his his female partner was not Harley, oh yeah, just like a few made first. Oh, people would mm, people no. would ride in the streets. Well, on a side yes. note, uh, how much cooler Japan is than us? Uh, even though Comic Con, how big did you say the the statue we're getting at Comic Con is? Twenty four feet. Twenty four feet. I think they got like a thirty foot one in Japan that they built up for the premiere of the movie. Did you see the uh, the picture of it? I saw a picture of half of its torso and yeah. up to its head, and it's on the ground. 
So yes. it looks like he's sinking into the ground black, like La Brea tar pit style. Yeah, but they, but built, they built a tail at the back end, so it looks like he's wading through the water. So oh, that's how okay, they built I see. Him. I did not see the finished one. Yeah. I didn't see the one. And it apparently it it glows and it talks. It roars. There's a video of it oh, up there. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I didn't get a thank you, San Diego Comic Con stress. Um, mm. I think it's a full as I wanted. That's I was loud. just pretty much looking at pictures. Yeah, uh, I got a little video here. Let me turn down the volume a little bit, but uh, you could probably hear it over the recording. I'm going to play this real quick. So what's going on is there's a lot of steam kind of coming out. The uh, There's like a little light show, and there's a dozen kids running around this thing. And uh, they're playing the theme from the movie. And now, the cool thing is they have like a string of lights, like LED lights on the spines. So the spines light up blue like, uh, like they do in the film. Yeah, yeah, and they just, it's almost like, a, it's almost like something out of, like, Big Trouble in Little China. Just the, the color <laughs> scheme of it all. And then, uh, he roars, and, like, his mouth lights up, and, uh, you know, he shoots, like, a light out of it, like, like it's fire. It is awesome. I really, I just, it, the Japanese just do so, so many things so much better than we do over here in America. It's, it just makes me jealous. It's really what it does. So, oh, Jessica. Uh, real quick, before we finish this off, I wanted to mention something that I got a chance to go to this week. No problem. So, uh, in a way. Okay. So, uh, as we all know, G-Fan was the last weekend. So, everyone that, that attended uh, probably got to see uh, our buddy Mark Hamarillo. I, I'm, I'm, he's going to listen to this. He's like, I've told you my last name many times, dude. It's just I'm looking at it. I want. I always want to see Jam uh, Jamarillo when I see it, but it's not pronounced that way. It's it's. I think it's Har Haramillo or something like that. I I apologize. I apologize because I sat there and talked to him the other night. We were like going over so many cool things, but it's when I see someone's name and it gets embedded into my head the first time, the way I think it's spelled or the way I think it's pronounced, and when they actually tell me how it's pronounced, then I start tripping over it. I do the same thing with uh, Jay uh, Oliva, the director of the the DC animated movies. Yeah, the last, Jay. Yeah, the, I know what you mean. The last three times I've talked to him, I call him Jay Oliver. Because it's spelt, it's spelt close enough to Oliver, but it's Oliva. And every time I'm like, ah, I'm here with Jay Oliver, and he's like, it's Oliva. I'm like, damn it! So I do that with everyone's name. So I apologize to Mark. It just... Uh, uh, profusely, because he's a super awesome guy. But at, uh, I digress. At um, G Fest, he had uh, a, apparently an awesome showing. From what what I when I got to talk to him, things were super cool. So we're gonna have him back on the show pretty soon. Uh, he's relaxing. Just he's uh, he's kind of decompressing from from the uh, the uh, time of his life that he had there, and he's just like, oh, I got. A ton of cool stuff to tell you. So we'll have him on soon to, to follow up with uh, his with the last podcast we had. But uh, when uh, they did some showings uh, out there, and one of them was Gamera 4, uh, directed by uh, Sh- Shinpei Hayashi. Hai- uh, Pretty sure I got that close enough. So uh, they showed it out there at, uh, at, at G-Fest. And then uh, Monday... They uh, he posts a uh, little uh, program saying, "Come to Anime Jungle. It's going to be a uh, Shinpei Hayashiya Appreciation Night, and we have some cool stuff." It was kind of a last-minute thing, so I said, "Of course, I'm going to be there," because they couldn't announce what they were what they were showing at the time. But I just I had a feeling something cool was going to be there. So go down to Anime Jungle, walk in. It's a nice private little screening, and they're very they're very strict. Like. No phones, no nothing. We just cannot be recorded at all. So they were going to show something that it's, I guess it you can only show publicly without any. It, it can't really get out there. So it turns out it was Gamera Four, and I had been waiting to see this film for a long time. It was one of the first thing, one of the earliest things I ever saw on the uh, on the internet back when back when I was going to the to a public library. And sitting there, you know, booking my, my time out hours at a time just so I can sit and read through Godzilla websites and print out 
all kinds of stuff back when Godzilla 2000 was coming out. And this was one of the big things that was um, that was out there. It was like after Gamma 3 came out, it's like this dude's making a Gamma 4. I'm like, oh, what? And the only things I ever saw were two photographs, and that was it. There was never any footage released, anything. And so Mark had brought the director over from uh, Japan, and they were going to hold uh, a post-G-Fest screening. So uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Hay- Hayashia, I keep wanting to say Hayashi for some reason, uh, came out. He's an eccentric character in his own right, and he is funny as heck. And uh, they showed one of his um, early Godzilla fan films where it's, you know, it, as he put it, it's like it's more of like a kid's film. It's like little puppets and stuff like that. It is, it's adorable and funny at the same time. Uh, they showed uh, him appearing with uh, uh, Inishiro Honda and uh, uh, I'm going to butcher this, Tomioka Tanaka, I believe that's how you say the, the the producer of all the Godzilla films back in I think it was '83 when they announced they were bringing Godzilla back and he came out uh, with them on like it was I think it was a talk show and then they showed Gamma Four which is like a 45 minute film and it was done back in like 2001 2002 I want to say so before you know it was before like Adobe Premiere before like everyone before like you, a 16 year old kid can go and like today and make like a full length film that looks really awesome on like a $15 budget like this was done as he put it on almost no money and the suits were made out of what has he put cardboard and foam rubber that they had like scrapped together and the suits were awesome but this film was just a fantastic like little piece of like it's a con- it's a definitely a fan film but it's also just something more magical in its own right and there's like just a lot of if the whole thing was in Japanese it wasn't subtitled but if you know your cameras you kind of get the gist of it so it's pretty much it's uh, the end of the first camera or the end of Gamma three Gamma's taking on a bunch of Gauss they're flying in and he's just like wrecking them and then all of a sudden like a super white albino Gauss shows up and just kills Gamma and so this white Gauss is running around just causing stuff and. Uh, at the end, pretty much, uh, one of the bones in the uh, Gamma graveyard comes back to life. Like the Earth mana comes together and creates like this new Super Gamma, and it's got like a like a guile from Street Fighter style like uh, Sonic Boom attack with its claws, and there's like a really awesome fight scene. So it was it was just um, it was amazing. And then the thing that I wanted to point out are two things. First thing, there's a little moment in this film where um, the Gauss lands in a neighborhood and it's like the puppets behind like an apartment building. So it's, it's literally like, like a, a Gauss puppet. So, but it's like so full of life and there's, you hear people talking and like the puppets just kind of like turning its head and like kind of listening into all the people in the apartments. And there's a moment that's just so adorable and hilarious. Like the Gauss puppet like starts honing in on the different people that are talking and it puts its head against the top of the of the apartment building like it's listening in for someone and finds out and kind of like shakes its head kind of like almost like a muppet then breaks in and kills the guy that's inside if you if you see it it makes perfect sense what i just described but it's just this most adorable scene and then uh um they had a q a with uh, uh mr hayashia afterwards steve rifel was interviewing him and then they went around and asked him a bunch of questions um for those not to know, he, uh, Aishia has gone on to direct two, uh, kaiju films, uh, Deep Sea Monster Rigo, and then, or no, is it Deep Sea Monster Rigo? And then there's Monster Riga. I'm, I'm always flipping the, uh, the, the, the titles around. And so he's going to be doing a third one in his trilogy. But he brought up a good thing, uh, a, 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 an observation, because someone asked him, it's like, have you seen... American Godzilla, and he saw it while he was at G Fest, and they asked him, "What did you think?" And he, he's like, "They're the translators translating the question for him." He's like, "Oh, okay, okay." And so he gets up and he makes this move, which just I I never put this together, but he makes this move. He's like, uh, uh, "Japanese Godzilla, uh, you know, very dinosaur like, like his loose English translation." And he puts like you know how how Godzilla stands with his arms up like with kind of like clawed out. It's like 
Japanese Godzilla stand like this, like 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 dinosaur. It's like American Godzilla, like grizzly. Like he moves, like he gets up and starts mimicking the moves of like the American Godzilla. How he kind of waddles. He's like, he's like a big grizzly bear running around. And he's like, not bad, but not quite Godzilla. And it was everyone. It, it dawned on everyone at that moment. So when he's trying, like, oh my god, that is exactly what he is. He he like. Godzilla literally walks like a grizzly on its hind legs. I did not put yes, that together. Yes, it does. Yep, I was actually going to say for those who can, uh, and no, I don't think he meant gorilla because for a mm-hmm. second I was like, maybe Chris was saying gorilla. No, if you go to like YouTube, mm-hmm. you know, and you look up grizzly walks on hind legs or, you know, brown bear does martial arts or whatever, <laughs> you see a bunch of... <laughs> I'm going to write a book looking... just called Brown Bear Does Martial Arts. I don't know what it's going to be about. It won't be about any bears doing martial arts, but that's just an awesome title. It has to be used for something. <laughs> that might be the name of this episode. I might. That's what I might name this episode. Yes, Brown Bear Does Martial Arts, mm. or Kung Fu. Yes. Um, and if you look it up, you'll find videos of just brown bears, grizzly mm. bears, black bears, sun bears. Mm-hmm on their hind legs, either catching fish or just waving their little paws around and they walk for a couple of seconds and, you know, and uh, you know what, he's very right now that mm-hmm. he says he's very correct. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I, I was so hilarious, cute. I was, I was, I, I, the, the small intimate crowd that was there was like literally laughing their ass off because it's just like, we no one ever put that together. It's just like literally, because the way he mimed it too. He's just, he got he gets up on the stage and starts kind of like waddling like he's Babar the elephant, but he's just like putting yeah. his hands out like how Godzilla walks. He's like like grizzly, like grizzly puts it up like you know kind of like how a grizzly moves. And she's like that is so apt. It's it's amazing. It's it, mind boggling that no one else put that together. So, but he did say he liked the movie though. That's good. Yes. That's good. So uh, we're going to have Mark on to, in a couple of weeks, I already talked to him, um, so we will have him on soon because he has got some stories to tell, and we got to finish up what we started with his, uh, he's got to talk, he's got his documentary coming out, or he's going to start working on soon that we didn't get into in the last episode. So plenty of, uh, <coughs> excuse me, plenty of awesome stuff coming up soon. So. Right. All right, Jessica, it's late. You have to get to sleep. I have to edit this. And we have you. You're going down a day early, aren't you, to Comic-Con? You know, um, as I said that I was so tired dealing with Comic-Con things, I will actually, the whole, for those who don't know, Wednesday, sure, it's preview night. But Mm -hmm. it's also the day that people pick up badges, dispute issues, questions, concerns, praises. They probably don't get enough praises, but they should. You know, these people work hard. Everyone is there picking up stuff. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to avoid the whole checking into your hotel and, you know, parking and getting in line. I wanted to come down a day early yeah. so I can sleep eight hours before mm-hmm. and then go. Uh, does not look like that's going to happen. So I'm actually going <laughs> to have to come down Wednesday morning. Ooh, well, at least at least you're not... Um... You know, at least you're not spending any more time that you don't need to be down there. Because as much as beautiful as San Diego is, and I love going down to San Diego and hanging out in San Diego, uh, the week leading into Comic-Con and sometimes the week after Comic-Con are a madhouse. So unless you're there for Comic-Con-related material, I would not recommend being in the area. Right, right. But, yeah, because I have friends. It took them two hours to drive there, an hour to get into the city. Oh, yeah, that's coming down the 5. I learned long ago to avoid the 5 coming in there. So we take the 15 down and kind of come in the back way. For those, yeah, everyone, I was just like, yeah, what are you talking about? It's like, yeah, people who don't live in California have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. But anyway, so let's wrap this up. So, Jessica, where can the people find more of our work? Yes, for more of our work, uh, we are on Facebook as mm-hmm. the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. Mm-hmm. We are also on Tumblr as the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast.tumblr.com. Mm-hmm. Twitter is just the Kaiju Kingdom because we we have a limit on characters, and so the word podcast doesn't come in. Yeah. And also for email, I mean, for those who just feel like, no, I want to express my, you know, depression over the way you guys handle things privately, mm-hmm. uh, then it's the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast at gmail.com. 
All right, and where can they find more of your work? More of me. Actually, you can friend me on Facebook. Please mm-hmm. inbox me and let me know where you heard me or saw me or you think you saw me. Uh, because I feel so bad, I want to make sure that I can at least put a face to a name, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's Jessica, all one word, the comic book girl. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, as my last name. And also, and from there, it does all my social media. Also, thecomicbookgirl.com and girlongeek.com. All right. And you can find more of my work at therealmcast.com, where I host the... I host two podcasts right now. I host Take Two uh, with uh, my buddy George, where we talk about all the news in pop culture in the week. And then right now I'm running the podcast The Rundown, The Legend of Korra, where we talk about all things Korra during the week. So you can check those out at therealmcast.com. You can always find this podcast at panzercrush.com. And uh, I always send the link through uh, our Facebook and our Tumblr as well. So... All right, well, on that note, that will do it for us for this week. So for myself and Jessica, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>